There are many natural disasters that you just can't get ready for. You know, like uh, tornado sirens. How many have been hearing those lately as our community gets ready for tornado season and all that? And, and so the idea is, hey, it's, it's happening. It's here. Uh, if you hear that horn. Uh, but it, it just gives you a little bit of time. Now, an earthquake, you know, you, you don't even get that much time. It's just like, boom, it's there. But a hurricane is something that they can forecast. Uh, you can see it coming. And there's talk of wind speeds and where it's coming toward and where they expect it to hit and, and what's going to happen next. And yet, there are people who do nothing. And Jesus is going to talk today from Matthew 21. We're going to pick it up where he left off last week in Matthew's writing in yet another parable of Jesus in talking to us about a storm, a storm that's coming. And we can get ready for it. We can get prepared for it because it's forecasted. It, it's for sure going to happen. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 21. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to pull it up on the screen and uh, we'll look at five different characters or things that I'll talk about and break down in a few moments. But here it is. Jesus says, listen to another parable. And again, where this series is coming from is the words of Jesus. And where we get the red letter revolution is the fact that in many Bibles, in this Bible that I'm holding right here, this, this one, uh, it, the red ink indicates these are the words of Jesus. This is Jesus talking now. And, and so these words are his words. And so he says, listen to another story, another parable that I want to tell you. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. And he put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance and so they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And so Jesus tells this story of how uh, there's all these different characters in place that we uh, are going to learn today who exactly these characters are. It would be pretty easy for many of you to pick up on who they are. Uh, pull up that list for me, and let's go through who each of these are. There's, first of all, in Jesus' story, there's a landowner. Who do you think might be the landowner? God. Yeah, God. And so, because the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's. 
and everything in it. In other words, he owns it all. Right? It's all his. And so we're only here temporarily. He's here permanently. And so it's all his. And then he says there's a vineyard. What The vineyard is, and we've learned this, and for those of you who are Bible geeks and want to study deeper, this afternoon maybe you want to read Isaiah chapter 5, and you'll find where Jesus is getting these words where, where much of this language is coming from because the people who heard him say it the first time would have fully understood who he was talking about. They would, they would have already known. They would have already said who that, who, who's the vineyard. Uh, it's Israel. It's his people whom he cultivates. It says in Isaiah chapter 5 how he, how he cultivated them and how he brought them to be and how they're his vineyard that, that he has. And so he, he talks about them in that language that he wanted to use them to bring fruit. And out of that fruitfulness, other nations would say, oh, whoa, whoa, who's their God? Because whoever's their God, we want to be our God. Because he's awesome. He, he's flat out awesome. I, I mean, that's incredible. I, I mean, what God's doing there with them, we want in on that. Right? That, that's, that's how God planned things. And so then there are tenants. And, and these are the spiritual leaders, the people who were supposed to cultivate the soil, fertilize and, and help the crops to grow and just be involved in it. And so these would be the religious leaders that God put in place to come along and speak for God and help God in and, and bringing these people into more and more deeper maturity. So these would be people like the Pharisees, the scribes, people who were instructors of the law or of the word and to help people to grow in their faith. But then there's servants. And the servants were sent out to declare a message and and to help the fruit to be uh, brought into God's presence. Well, those were the prophets. We see that prophet after prophet was sent to Israel. And these prophets would come and they would say, hey, whoa, 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 we're going the wrong direction right now. And we need to turn around. We need to, we need to get, hold the fort, hold on, hold the fork, you know, and hold whatever. We, we need to hold on and, and turn and go the other way. It's like their message was like, turn or burn, you know. And nobody likes that message, do they? See, it's like, no, 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 why don't, you, why don't you tell us nice stuff? Why don't we talk about how good we're doing and, and, and things like that? And, and all. Don't, don't, don't be, you're, you're kind of a downer, you know, quite frankly. And, and we're kind of tired of listening to you. And so the Bible says, it, it, historical record shows that what they did is they would take these prophets and they would tell them, shut up. And if you don't, we're going to lock you up. And so some of them, they'd lock them up out in public. Others of them, they'd put them in a hole in a prison and just forget them there. And they would kill and stone some of them. 
But yet, time after time, the prophets would be sent. And then finally, we come to the Son. Any guesses on who that might be? <laughs> Jesus, right? And, and, and so, the Son is sent. That, that you know, they'll listen to my Son, and, and He will come, and He'll cultivate uh, my people and get my people ready. And, and so, what happens is, here, Jesus is doing a few things at one time in this one story. He's first of all looking back. He's teaching history. And he's saying, you know, God wanted a people. And we were his people. And he wanted us to reflect his image in the earth. But, but we got off track. And, and so he began to send people to help us get back on track. But people didn't want to hear that message. They didn't want to repent. They didn't want to turn around. And, and so finally what God did is he sent his son. And so now we're current events, right? Now we're up to date. And, and so he's telling them he sent his son, and, and so his son came, and then he's going to go on to future events in a moment. But before he does that, he has to set them up. And you just got to love the genius of Jesus to help set people up. And so he's, he's teeing this one up, and here's what he says in verse 40. He gives them a question. He says, therefore, you know, in the light of this story I just told, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And the Pharisees, they, they, they fall for it. Here, here's what they do. They speak up and they say, well, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end. They don't know they're the wretches right? You're talking about yourself right now, all right? So, so he, you, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end, and they replied, he, and then he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. And so Jesus is setting them up, helping them to tell his story. And so then he turns it, and here's what he says next. He says to them, have you never read, like, uh, excuse me, we read it all the time. Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, you guys, and it will be given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests, now check this out, when, when the chief priests and Pharisees say, hmm, he's talking about us. <laughs> they knew he was talking about them. And so here's what they do in verse 46. They looked for a way to, we got to arrest this guy. But they were afraid of the crowd because they were so afraid of public opinion. And, and, and so they were afraid of the people because the people held that he was a prophet. And so Jesus, it's interesting because I, I thought you were talking about a vineyard. What, what's this about a stone now? Where, where is this coming from? And, and, and you were talking about, you left off, you said that he sent his son. 
And now you're talking about a stone. How would jump from a sun to a stone? Well, we don't really get this in the English, but in the Hebrew, the word for sun is ben. Ben, B-E-N. And, and so when Jesus is talking about this sun, this B-E-N, this ben that would come, then he shifts over and starts talking about another Hebrew word, eben is the word for stone in Hebrew. You just add an E onto Ben, and you have stone. And so Jesus says what's happened here is the stone was the sun, and the sun is the stone. And he says this sun is here, but he's also more than just a sun. He's the son of God. He is the rock that doesn't roll. He is the stone that the builders rejected. He is the rock of all ages. He is like none other. That's who we're talking about here. So that's how he breaks this down. And so I want to help you today to learn the two main principles or two main principles that Jesus teaches here about this rock as it culminates the story and helps us to understand about the rock that's going to come and do this crushing and what, what is, what's all that mean? Well, well, let's look today. If you have an outline with you, you can write a couple things down. Where the rock leads. Look at where the rock leads. The first place that this rock leads that Jesus says is it leads to road rage, all right? Now, not the kind of road rage that you caused the other day when you started to pull out in front of somebody, all right? And they start waving with maybe a few less fingers in the air or something like that, and, and oh, and that got messy or whatever. I, I'm not talking about that. The road rage that Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about when you bring up Jesus, first of all, it doesn't always go well. How many know that? There's one topic maybe at your family table at Easter or Fourth of July picnic or maybe birthday parties or Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever. You don't go there. Because not everybody's on the same page about Jesus, right? Because he, you see, Jesus can cause some, some ill ish, issues and, and feelings to be involved because he's not really a neutral topic, is he? He, he just has a way uh, of being anything but typical, and so as a result, uh, Jesus says that many will toss him aside as a, as a rock that's in the way. You know, he, he's just a stumbling block. He's in the way. And Jesus affirms that there's, you know, you, you may push me aside. You may throw the rock aside, but I got news for you. The rock's coming back. What you push uphill is coming back downhill. And it's going to come toward you, and, and it's going to crush you. You may be tripping over Jesus today, but you're going to be finding wrath of Jesus in the days ahead. And so he talks about this, and he talks about how that, yeah, you're, you, you know what? You guys were right about wretched. You got that down. 
Because that's how God looks at us right here. He's looking at, at you guys don't even teach the right way. You're not even leading people to be close to me. You're not causing a beacon of light to shine into the Roman nation so they know just who they're occupying right now. Instead, you're obsessed with how can we beat these people instead of how can we win these people. And so this stone comes back, he says, and crushes them. In other words, what he's saying is, is there's going to be a day of judgment. It's like a hurricane forecast in which Jesus is saying, you know, there's a storm brewing. There's there's a, a production of destruction that's going to come toward you eventually, and and you may not see it right now, but you need to get prepared for it. But you know, it's amazing. It's kind of like when there's a hurricane forecast. Have you ever seen these people interviewed that stayed home for the hurricane? You ever, you ever seen that? And, and, and so they'll talk to them after, you know, and they'll say, oh, uh, you stayed through this. And they're like, yes, I did, you know. Well, how was that? You know, they say, well, you know, I, I, I thought it'd be all right. I thought it'd be fine. Uh, we just stayed there in the house. How bad can it get? Well, it got pretty bad, you know. The lights all went out, and, and it got pitch black, and the house started creaking like I've never heard before. We heard sounds like... It was crazy, and we thought at any moment our whole house was going to come unglued. Would you do it again? Are you nuts? <laughs> right? No way I would ever, ever do that again. But why? Why do people do stuff like that? You know, they'll, they'll say, well, we had food, you know, we had some tuna and stuff and whatever, we, we make shift and make it happen and whatever. And, and you know, I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe they'll be wrong. Maybe it'll go a different direction. Maybe it'll change direction. Maybe somehow, some way, all their predictions will be incorrect. And, and somehow or another, we will come out unscathed. And it's the same thing when you talk about the coming of the Lord, when you talk about judgment to come yet ahead, that people think, well, maybe I'll have time. You know, maybe it won't hit me. Maybe there'll be people who get hit worse than I do. And I think at the end, you know, I'll be okay. And God says, no, 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 you, you got to understand this. Yes, I'm a God of love and mercy, but to be a God of love, you have to also take care of ill and wrong. And there's something in you and I, come on now, that, that we all feel like there ought to be justice in this world, right? You know, people want to be held accountable. And Jesus says, oh, It'll happen, just maybe not today. You know, but it's, it's coming, 
And, and the good news is, because of it, you can get prepared for it, which is totally amazing, because if you ask me the most amazing part of this whole story that Jesus tells is the landowner's patience. I mean, come on now. This guy says, hey, go to my people. Whoop, they killed him. Next. Send you. Killed him. Next. And he just keeps doing this over and over. You know, surely they will hear. Surely this next one will get through to them. That this next message, they'll, they'll tune into this one. Yeah, they, they've rejected all the other messages, but oh, maybe this time they'll hear it and they'll take heed and they'll do something about it. And over and over, the landowner does this. And finally, he says, I'll send my son because surely they'll listen to him. I mean, if I send my only son, they've got to hear him. And the Bible says they didn't even listen to him. They killed him. I want to share with you this morning, if you don't get anything else, I want to share with you the incredible love of God, the incredible patience of God. Look at this verse in Exodus. It says, after he passed in front of Moses, God, that is, he proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, not the angry, not, not the hostile, not the unfair God, but the compassionate and gracious God who's slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving. How many are glad for his forgiveness? Wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. And I do not have to talk to you about how a decision of your great-grandfather's alcoholism affected your family line, do we? Or how your decision that maybe be unfaithful or your, un, your decision to cut corners at work, your decision to be deceptive, your, your decision, how it didn't just affect you, did it? It affected people around you. So it goes both ways, right? And, and so sometimes the judgment, it feels like it comes now, you know, to, to our generations. But this passage is repeated nine times in the Bible just so you get it, how slow to anger, how awesome and compassionate that your God is. Look at this next verse. It says, yet he was merciful, Psalm 78. He forgave their iniquities, did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. There was a time where the disciples are with Jesus and there's people that aren't getting their act together. And they're acting ugly to them. And the disciples said, Jesus, you want us to call fire down on them? Burn them up? 
How many of you, if you had the power to call fire down from heaven on certain people, there'd be a few less people in the world today. Anybody with me on that? Rest of you just sit there and polish your halo, all right? Just be all holy and, oh, okay, we got you. Because I'm telling you, there would be a few less people in the world, right? But, but God, God's not like that. Here's how God is. One of the disciples who said that later wrote this in 2 Peter. He says, the Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. Because you know what? I grew up in church hearing Jesus was coming back any day now. Well, where the heck is he, right? You know? It's like, you know, I thought he was coming. And, he, and Peter explains it. Because Peter's like, hey, I'm living a lot earlier than you are, Craig. And here's how it works. No, he's not slow. He is patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. Maybe one more today. Maybe, maybe one more. Maybe, you know, there were a few more in the first service. Maybe there's some more in this service today that'll, that'll decide that, hey, I've heard the warning long enough. I need to do something about it. I need to get right with God. I need my heart right with them. I need him in my life today, right? And he's so faithful, because how many of you, you can still remember how patient God was with you, how while you were your partying self, and your rebellious self, and you're wanting to go your own way and do your own thing and tell God to just go wherever he wants to go, and I'll be my own thing, but then one day you realize the party's not very exciting anymore, and I need a God who is stable, who is the rock, who doesn't roll, who is faithful, and I call on his name, and in that moment, in that day, he forgave you, washed you, cleansed you, and you've never been the same again. If that's you today, give him a shout of praise. The disciples said to Jesus one day, he said, who do people say I am? And they say, oh, some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. That's kind of wild. And then some say Isaiah's come back, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And, and on. he says, okay, that, that's who CNN says, but who, who do you say? Who do you say I am? And, and they said, they looked around, and Peter spoke up, and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you know what, Pete? God revealed that to you. It's the Holy Spirit that helps you to know who he truly is. And if you're here today and you need to know God, that same Holy Spirit that revealed God to Peter can reveal him to you this morning and so that you know exactly who he is, that he is still and will be the Christ, the Son of the living 
God. So it's not just road rage, all right? Here's the second thing to write down. It's also the rock leads to road work. Don't you just love road work? <laughs> but, but here's what Jesus talks about in this. The landowner went away, and he, and he put the, the vineyard there, and his whole goal was that fruit would come. That, that everybody would look and say, whose God is that? That they would all be looking. All, I, I want to live with those people. I want to be a part of that. And, and so the landowner is wanting this work to happen, but it didn't. Amazingly enough, he splits seas, people. He stops the flow of rivers. He calls the sun to stand still. He heals the blind. He causes dead people to come alive. He does all kinds of amazing things, and they still reject him. And so Jesus says, finally, you're right. This is what that landowner is going to do. Now he's going to shift from current events in the near future of when the son's going to be killed, and he says, now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen after that son's been killed. Then he's going to take, and he's going to put another people in charge. And we all know what that was. What happened is God said, okay, Jewish nation, okay, I've given you century after century, I've done all these things, but now I'm going to reveal my glory through the Gentiles. And what he did is he chose something called the church. And he said, I'll build my church in the very gates of hell, will not prevail against it. And it won't just be in one part of the Middle East. It'll spread all over the earth until the whole earth is filled with my glory until on any given Sunday just like today there will be millions of people across the world who will boldly lift their hands in praise who will lift instruments who will lift their voice who will say he is the God of all gods the king of all kings the Lord of all lords he alone deserves my praise and today, we experience that happening. So the expectation of the landowner was not that we would just come to church today. Wow. My people got in heated cars and drove a few miles and went into a conditioned building and sat in nice comfy seats for an hour and 15 minutes. Wow, it's amazing. And, get this, they threw some of their spare change in the bucket when it went by. And they, they verbalized some songs that were on the screen. I'm telling you, my people are amazing. Is that what it was? Is that what Jesus died for? No, I'll tell you what he died for. He died for us to do 
what he wanted his nation of Israel to do, and that is to be a beacon of hope to the world so that in a world of darkness, people would be drawn to our light so that whether you're in school or whether you're at home or whether you're in the neighborhood or wherever you are, that there would be beams of light that would shine out of your life and people would say, I don't know what it is about them, but I want to get over by them. There's something in their life. There's something special. There's something there. And then you get the opportunity to tell them, it's not me. It's him that's in me. Him that lives in me is greater than I am, and he supplies the power. He supplies the ability. And and so what happens is, is, is Jesus one day says, look at the fields. They're white unto harvest. I'm calling you to work in the field. I'm wanting fruit in my field. And so God's call today is that you and I would get up off our blessed assurance and we would go out and reach somebody else for him and his glory. See, Jesus says that this this son, this Ben, has become the Eben. Uh, He has become the rock. And what's going to happen in just a few days, you're going to see he's, he's the cornerstone. Because what's going to happen, and we know this, that, that Jesus was crucified and on the cross, his last words are, it is finished. In other words, the final stone, the cornerstone, the one that I've been talking about that God's been prophesying about through prophets for centuries has now been set into place. You think you've killed me. You think you've ended the story, but the story has just begun because you think you can take this body, this rock, and you can throw this rock in a tomb and then cover it with a really big rock. But I'm telling you in three days, what's going to have to happen is an angel's going to need to roll that other big rock aside because the true rock is already alive and will, and he is the rock today that you can build your life upon. You can build your life upon him and not just build it, you can rebuild it. You see, and God's intent is for us to build a road back to him so that people will come to him. We've got people in this church that go downtown and hand out water bottles to homeless people. Uh, one of them was sitting down here in the first service. We've got people who, who reach out to jails and, and do jail ministry. We've got people who go in there and do, do discipleship walk kind of weekend things with, with, the, with those who are inmates. We've got people in this church who reach out to their neighbors, their friends, their uh, I'm looking over here, Justin and Barbie, who who invite people to church, and they wind up coming, you know? And and then they wind up changing their lives, and they wind up getting baptized, and and they wind up becoming 
followers of Jesus Christ. I, I think about this past week. Throw that picture up for me. How that my sister, she went across the street to, to Hickory Elementary and gave them another dropping, okay? Uh, we give all the staff over there uh, monthly love signs, all right? Uh, just to tell them, we love you. We're praying for you. We're so glad you're here in our community. We're right across the street. If you ever need us, we're here. But if you don't, that's okay too. We just want to know, we want you to know you are loved. We love you. And so those are things you don't even know happens, right? You don't even know happens around here. And so all these things of reaching out to people, and I'm telling you, one of the biggest things is coming. It's Easter. And there's a Saturday night experience. We've never done it before. Never done a, a Saturday night service. Never done that third service. So we're going to do it on Easter. And so here's what I'm going to need from some of you. Some of you are going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to give up my seat on Sunday so that somebody can have it. I'm going to attend on Saturday night. And four of you are going to do it. So that's, that's amazing. More of you are going to do it because the Holy Spirit's going to talk to you, all right? And, and, and so you're going to do it. But, but here's something even better because I know you're waiting for the better. Here's something better. You could come serve on Saturday because we're not used to serving like that on Saturday for a service. And so you're going to think, well, I could come and I could serve on Saturday and then I could come and worship on Sunday. And so some of you are going to do that. And here's what else it opens up. It opens up the opportunity so when you give out the invite cards that we're going to start giving you over the next few weeks, start next week, how you're going to do that is, is you're going to hold on to the card and you're going to say, hey, I'd love for you to come and, and, and be with me at my church on Easter. Amazing things are happening. It's going to be an exciting day. People are getting baptized. And we're going to sing. We're going to shout. It's going to be amazing. My pastor is going to preach his head off. And so it's going to be, it's going to be an exciting day day, and, and so you, you, I want you to be there, and they're going to say, oh, man, I work on Sunday. I'm not going to be able to come. I'd, I'd come if I could, but I have to work, uh, but I'd be there with you, and you're going to say, oh, Saturday night, 5 o'clock, I'll pick you up, uh, you know, and you, you can be there. So here's the thing. I want today you to realize that Jesus has given you the ability through him, through the power of the rock, to be a rock in your community, to take this capstone, this cornerstone, this one that can be, we can build our lives upon and, and to allow him to be seen in us so that everyone around us will want what we have. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you today that you want to use us. It's amazing. You want to forgive us, wash us, cleanse us, and then use us. And God, today we're so grateful. You're an amazing God. But God, some of us sometimes forget that. We get so caught up with our lives and our deal that we forget that we're to be a light to others. 
So maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, there's times when I do forget that. There's times when I slip up. There's times when, when, I, when I'm not shining like I ought to be. And, and, and God's been so good to me. He's forgiven me, washed me, cleansed me. He allowed me to wait for the day when I would come to Him. And then when I did, He totally forgave me. He's changed my life. And, and I, I want to do better at being His hand extended. I, I want Him, if He can use anything, I want Him to use me. If that's your prayer, would you just raise your hand with mine right now and just say, Oh God, yes hands all over this room. Father in heaven, you see every hand that's raised. God, we know it was your intent that we would be seen in this world. Not to draw attention to us, but draw all the attention to you. And so God, today, I pray for a Holy Spirit empowerment of light to be in every person in this house. God, as we raise our hand to you, we're just saying, God, use my hands. Use my feet. Use my mouth. Reach someone else for Jesus. Reach someone else for you. Help me to be used of you, especially here at this Easter season. God, we thank you for that empowerment today and for your grace that's at work in our lives. Maybe others of you are here. And while we're praying, You've heard, maybe, of the impending storm. Maybe you've heard that there's a judgment day coming or Jesus is coming back or whatever. And for some reason, you just kind of still went on your way. And maybe you've kind of just not really given God a chance in your life. And maybe you thought, I'll just write it out. or I don't know what your thinking was, but I'm here to tell you that today is the day of salvation there's no need to risk your life and your eternal life any longer none of us even hold a promise that we can get from here to home today and maybe step out into eternity but the point is not that the point is what God will bring into your life the forgiveness, the washing, the cleansing, the power, the presence of what he wants to do in your life. And I want that for you. And if you're here this morning and you'd say, Craig, I need Jesus in my life. I need him. I'm coming back to him. Or maybe you're coming to him for the very first time. But today, you know, I need you, Jesus. Will you just reach up your hand right now and say, yes, it's me. Yes, yes, yes. See those hands? Yes, 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 yes. Whole row of people. Hallelujah. Over here, God bless you. Up there, God bless you guys. All right, hands around the room, about every section. So here's what I want us to do. Church family, help me pray this prayer out loud so that those who lifted their hands will pray it as well. Just pray it to God. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son who came here and died so that I can live for you. I believe his sacrifice made a way for me so that I can be forgiven. So I ask you to wash away my past. Give me a new start today. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. 
Thank you for accepting me as a child of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. Give him praise for that. It's awesome. That's amazing grace, right? It's amazing grace. Listen, we have classes called starting.